The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sue Martin joins with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. Sue, if this is a day that we can say the markets can turn themselves around and make a mad dash to some higher numbers, today in soybeans is a perfect example. Well, it was. Beans were down, you know, this morning. We got as low as 434, or excuse me, Frodian slip. That'd be a disaster. Um, <laughs> as low as 1034 on the July contract. And before the day was done, they added nearly uh, 20 cents back on. The um, uh, Our take is on the beans that we're, st- we're just forming a coil and that this market's setting the stage to come back and try to move through the highs that we've seen this year thus far. And I believe that the bean market, you know, the weather forecast for uh, the month of May is after these rains this week go through, we're to turn above normal temps and in some cases much above normal and then drier as well. The crops are going to go in quickly. And so that should then take away the fear of any added bean acres. But on top of all of that, export sales were excellent on beans. They were good, even though we were down like, what, 15% or whatever. They, they were excellent on beans, excellent on uh, soy meal and soybean oil. We're running well ahead of last year's um, or not last year, but the five-year average, to meet the USDA's estimate for exports that they've targeted. Um, you know, and, of course, corn's the same way. Wheat, not so much, but, you know, last year was a shorter crop. This year's going to be a much shorter crop. Well, you know, if you don't have it, you can't have bigger exports than you had the year before. So bottom line is we think that um, demand is good for beans. It's certainly good for the meal. And uh, when we look at the bean market, we're thinking it's coiling, getting ready to come up and take out the 1080 level. There had been a lot of talk out there um, focusing that, you know, we've seen China being on the quieter side when it came to purchases, Sue. And then I read an article uh, for one of the major net, uh, network news that was saying that they pretty much shut off. They're not buying beans from the U.S. until this tariff thing is completely figured out. Have you heard, is there some actual concrete evidence that they're not going to be buying beans right now? Well, you know, bottom line is, Susan, when you have a country like Brazil coming on with a much greater production this year than they had last year, and last year was a record, you know, I'm hearing estimates up towards 120 million metric ton production in Brazil. Well, that means they have way more to export. Now, that meant China wasn't going to be buying from us anyway. Export sales were down nearly 24% back in February compared to the year before. It's Bottom line is they, do, they, they come out with all this rhetoric and action, but it's always fit into areas where they weren't going to get hurt by it anyway. And they knew they were going to be getting beans from Brazil. The caveat here this year is, though, they, that Brazil, of course, thought they had the whole corner on the market didn't anticipate that Argentina, the world's largest exporter of soy oil and soy meal, uh, was going to have a major disaster with their crop due to drought. And then, to top it all off, end the crop season, not in drought, but catching way too much rain and now into flooding, which is causing quality issues and slowing up harvest. 
issues speaking of, of quality the wheat tour continues in kansas and as no surprise they're seeing a lot of, of frost damage and some concerns when it comes to what we might see come harvest time very much in fact um it's been kind of interesting because i have clients that are on that tour and they've been sharing with me, keeping me posted every every night after the meetings and what's been said and all of that. And what's interesting is is that there's an attitude that they may average around 30 bushel to the acre now. They should be coming out with their final here if they haven't done it already. But the talk last night was by some of the, well, by the head guy that's over that tour, was thinking they could be at 30 bushel to the acre on average, looking at maybe 7 million acres, so coming up with 210 million bushel uh, production estimate for the state of Kansas, Kansas being the country's largest hard red winter wheat state. Well, you know, we hear that abandonment's going to be greater. And the one thing that we did hear a lot of, and it reminded me so much of, you know, the uh, hard red spring wheat acres last year, the talk of very short uh, plants that were maybe only eight inches tall, either A, heading out or getting ready to head out, and you're a month away from harvest. What do you think those yields are going to be like, even if they caught rain? It's going to be not very good. I think there's going to be more abandonment yet before this is all said and done. And the issue isn't just here in the States. I mean, you and I were talking before the, the final bell that the Black Sea region has had concerns, which puts a global concern when it comes to the amount of wheat available. Oh, very much. And we have to keep in mind the Black Sea area, Russia has had huge exports for about the last five years, at least the last three. And so they've had a, had a very good time, but that's not the case now. It's not only Russia, it's going to be Ukraine, which of course can also influence their corn crop. And then we have to start looking at the uh, North China Plains. And if you noticed in the tariff talk, China talked about sorghum and leaned on sorghum. Well, the reason being is they didn't want the sorghum because their importers was taking a sorghum in at the expense of domestic corn. And they wanted them to be buying that domestic corn. They want to get rid of it. So consequently, they just basically were trying to have an effective way to shut off the sorghum imports. And I realize since China's enacted those high tariffs and what have you, um, I think even ADM has talked about the losses that they have seen. Uh, I think there was nearly 20 cargoes they had to divert, either to Japan, Saudi Arabia, and don't hold me to this, I want to say parts of Europe. So, you know, it has weighed on things, but through it all, they left wheat alone. Folks, we do have more, <clears throat> excuse me, more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Sue Martin joins us with Ag and Investment out of Webster City, Iowa. You know, we talked about all the influences we've seen, Sue, within the market trade, you know, from the grain perspective. But those outside market influences, whether it's the way the dollar's been trading or the pressure that we saw today on the stock market, those all have some trickle-down effects as well for these, both grain and livestock at that. Well, they do. And, of course, today the Dow was down kind of hard at one time but now it's 30 higher on the day but um it does and i think more than anything what we're seeing 
because we've had a nice little correction in this uh, S&P market and the Dow. And I think what we're seeing is money shifting, money going into other things. It can be real estate. You know, home values are high around the country in various locations. I mean, a lot of them. And I think uh, the aging population is pulling money out of the stock market, buying their retirement homes and paying cash. In the meantime, you've also got money coming out of uh, stocks. And, you know, I got into this business, I almost hate to say this, but I got into this business back when commodities weren't very popular. And all of a sudden, people started moving away from stocks and moving into commodities. And ever since, it's kind of been that shift. They're in one or the other. Well, they're moving money into commodities, and commodity assets have done quite well this year thus far. So they're outpacing everything else. So I think it's helping. And when you get these nice little healthy corrections, it, I think money just shifts into them and buys them up. Energies is one. I mean, that's a big one. And, of course, that's the one that Goldman Sachs talked about last December. You know, we talked about the, the wheat quality tour, and I wanted to jump back to this because you had talked about seeing some pictures on Twitter. Uh, the t- tour itself ends uh, later today, but there's been some rust concerns out there. Yeah, there is. Um, I think that, um, you know, there's something else with this wheat market, too. You know, uh, because I'm very bullish corn, and corn's been this quiet little... I don't know, maybe it's a train leaving the station. I think it's already left the station, but it still has not gained the speed. It's just chugging. And everyone's in doubt of it, but i got to tell you, there's a huge base, head and shoulders, bottom on the charts. looks beautiful. And But here's the kicker. Okay, we are now going to have some hot, dry, warm weather through a chunk of the Midwest and, of course, you know, the southern plains, too, in through May. June and possibly into early July. And then maybe if El Nino kicks in, you know, we see La Nina fade away and El Nino kicks in, then we may go to another pattern where we turn more wet or something through the grain belt, with the exception of the southern plains. The southern plains and the southwest are still forecast through this summer to remain hot and dry. That's a lot of corn in Kansas. Oklahoma, Texas, maybe even up into parts of Nebraska and Colorado, that's going to certainly be impacted. I think um, when I look at what that forecast looks like, it concerns me on two fronts. One, because of corn production, I think it's going to weigh away at our corn. And that, to me, means more higher prices. Two, it also means to me we've got to watch our cattle industry because it could mean a movement of cattle Either they shift from, you know, grass, pastures, whatever, up north to northern areas in better um, pasture land, or that's because of the rain, or they send those animals to market. It's one or the other. And if they send them to market, that's not a good thing. That may weigh on us and kill a market or delay that turn that we're thinking that's coming as we go into the fall. I was going to ask you about that because we've, we've had such a focus on where we are with this crop. From a livestock perspective, they've got to have just as, enough, just as much nervousness as the grain guys do at this point. They do. And there's one thing. If I'm right on this corn market, for, and I've been bullish corn for quite some time, and if I'm right on this corn market for what I think it's going to do, and I think between now and 2020, it's if you just lay a ruler down, it'll be up. And that's going to be meaning, you know, um, cash rents are probably going to hold strong 
or hold where they're at and not get any cheaper. They might even increase a little bit. Then they might also mean that what we see is land prices continue to stabilize and be firm. And I know around here they haven't fell much. And the other thing is, is that if this corn market does push higher, well, you know, that means then the guy who's buying feeders or selling feeder cattle, what's he going to do? Um, that's because higher grain prices usually weigh on, on feeder cattle prices. It's going to mean that as a person buys his feeders, he may need to book his corn. Good things to think about is uh, the planting is underway in so many areas, maybe stalled because of some recent rains, but they got to have all their ducks in a row as we move into the summer months. Well, you know, it's about like Trump. You stick around, something's going to change. <laughs> and, and that's the market these days. Good thing to think about. Hey, Sue, as folks want to talk more about both the grain and the livestock side, what's the best way to reach you? Well, our, our number is 1-800-527-0051. And you all have a great Thursday. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle and all their dealers, right here on the Rural Radio Network. listening to the Rural Radio Network.